Overnights. I got you for three hours, as is my custom, except on Wednesdays. But today's Thursday, so I got you for three hours till the warm-up show at five. Me and Fleegs and Marco have you till then on this Thursday morning, which is my Friday. I'm heading out of town, taking a bird west. Sounds like they've uh, at least come to some conclusion on some level with the. Uh, the culinary strike. So hopefully I'll be able to eat at a restaurant. The rest of you Jet fans are heading to Vegas. We'll get a chance to eat and be served and have bartenders. Well, it seems like a lot of us are going. I guess uh, Marash is going. Obviously, BT is going with the gang. We're all going to see Zach Wilson play quarterback. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Zach Wilson play quarterback because yet again, earlier yesterday, the coach just never stops. And I was thinking about it because there was a little bit of a dynamic. Obviously, the GM meetings were going on. Apparently, everybody got the stomach bug. You got that? The whole store got the flu. So I wore this ridiculous thing for you. Anyway, the whole... Sometimes I can't stop at the movie quotes. I apologize. The entire 10% of the executives at the baseball meeting got the stomach bug, so they called it off. But here in this town, we got a couple, a little bit of a dynamic here that I wanted to play on for a second. We got believable... And then we've got unbelievable. And let's start with the unbelievable. I do not believe Coach Sala, when yet again pressed for why he continues to start Zach Wilson and give this team less of an opportunity against the Raider team that is now the talk of football. That is now a team that has got a new head coach who has the practice squad on the sidelines. They're smoking cigars afterwards. They figured this whole thing out. The Raiders are about to take off, even with a young quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. It doesn't matter. This defense, Max Crosby, woo, he's going to get after Zach Wilson. This is a legitimate team, and yet here we go again, not giving an opportunity to play anybody else but Zach Wilson. And he went on and on, on really the whole season. He's been on and on. We're on the same page. Zach Wilson's our guy. He's improving. He's getting better, blah, 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 and you just it's impossible to believe as it goes on day to day, week to week, game after game, watching the slop you get at the quarterback position. So obviously on Tuesday, he does an interview with Michael Kay. And on the interview, he's pressed about the answer. We talked about it last night. He's pressed about the an- the question about why not play someone else, why not play someone else? And his response is, uh, you know, that's a good question. I plead the fifth. Right, And we talked about what that meant, plead the fifth. That means I cannot answer, though I want to. Or I cannot answer, I am being compelled to not answer. Because someone doesn't want me to answer. Or I will incriminate myself. That's what plead the fifth is. He didn't just say, hey, look, 
Zach's our guy. You can ask me a million different ways. Zach's our guy. No, he said plead the fifth. So then to yesterday, he meets the press. Uh, he meets the press again, and Connor Hughes asks him the question again and puts it perfectly because he says, "Coach, why do you continue to play Zach Wilson when you go and look at it and every other quarterback?" in offenses that have been less successful than this one, that have less offensive weapons than this one, that didn't have Garrett Wilson, that didn't have Brees Hall. Every other single quarterback that has played since Zach Wilson has been drafted has done marketably better. Whether it's Joe Flacco, whether it's Mike White, and we've talked about Mike White and how the team just celebrated the second Mike White took over. You look at the numbers he put up against the Bears. You look at the numbers he put up against Cincinnati against a team that went on to win the Super Bowl. 400 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he's done it. I mean, Josh Johnson threw for 300 yards. In relief, didn't even start the game, threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Every against the Colts when he was brought in. Every single other quarterback who has stepped behind center for the New York Jets since Zach Wilson was drafted has done far, far better than Zach Wilson. And that's how the question was presented yesterday. Every other quarterback has done better. Why are you not willing to try as your offense is stagnant, as your offense is one of the worst in football, as your third down conversion is embarrassing, as your inability to get into the end zone is inexplicable, as your team is floundering despite the fact that you have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And despite the fact that you figured out a way miraculously to get in a position where you're in this thing four and four, and this is about to take a turn going into Buffalo, going to play Buffalo and going to play the Miami Dolphins. And his response is, we're all on the same page. Whatever conspiracy theories are out there, coach, conspiracy theories. No, no, no. It is not a conspiracy theory when you say, I plead the fifth. That's not a conspiracy. We are not reading into that too much. We are not deep diving trying to figure out a way to get you. You said, I can't answer the question, though I'd like to. That's what you said. But hey, I know there's conspiracy theories out there, but we're all on the same page with Zach Wilson. I don't buy it. And I understand that he's doing what he has to do. And I understand that he's going to keep his job probably as long as uh, Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback on this team, which he is, even though he's hurt right now. Moving forward, he's the guy. As long as they have that where they that was ripped from them. And they still have Joe Douglas who went out and got Aaron Rodgers. They still have Aaron Rodgers going forward. All he has to do is not rock the boat. But you know what? You got to win some freaking football games. Rock the boat, coach. Because this is, they they are not giving themselves the best opportunity to go win football games. Plain and simple. And to continue to hear this, and now it's not only just the dynamic of they're sticking with their guy. It's the dynamic of there is a fundamental tug of war inside this organization because it's I'm sorry I tend to believe the first statement I do not believe we're all on the same page I do not believe 
whatever your conspiracy theories conspiracy theories may be. I believe Tuesday when you didn't know what to say. That is much more of an indicative into the truth than what we've heard every other time he spoke. He pled the fifth and inside this organization, and it will crumble this team because now it's just, it's gone beyond the idea of Zach Wilson's the guy. Whatever they think, Zach Wilson's the guy, they're going to stick with him. Now you know, and we've talked about this with the players over and over again too. This is now not only with the players, but with the organization ripping this thing apart. They are having, they are, there are butting heads inside the Jets organization about who the leader of the franchise is on a season where they are primed everywhere else to be a championship caliber team. And we know how the players feel. We know it. And now you're getting a glimpse into how coach feels about it, and yet he's still towing the line. And he's lying to us. And I want to know who's making him lie. Because I just, I'm sorry, I choose to believe the first statement of, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you know, stop asking me. Instead of, oh, it's conspiracy theories. This, who, what conspiracy? No one's sitting around with a tinfoil hat trying to come up with reasons why you couldn't answer a question. It's not a conspiracy theory. You got caught. And now you want to call it a conspiracy theory. It's not. It's It's plain and simple. Joe Flacco steps in, they score points and put up numbers. Mike White steps in, they score touchdowns and put up yards. Josh, Josh Johnson plays for a game, and he throws three touchdown passes. Zach Wilson does not lead the team into the end zone, and everybody knows it. And for some reason, protected up on from high, he has to play every week. And now the coach is subject to that d- decree. And I don't understand it. And he's going to go down with the ship because, you know, I mean, I I would imagine he's he must believe he's safe. But in the NFL, that record sticks with you, man. And, and continuing to praise this quarterback and his progress and sticking with him sticks with you. As we're watching what we can't believe you continue to say. So that's the non-believable. That's the stuff I don't believe. Then there's the second story today where I totally believe. And that's the Mets and David Stearns when he tells you, he will not trade Pete Alonso, and I totally believe that. I don't know if he's going to get a contract, obviously, at the, the GM meetings. Of course, it's our annual Scott Boris pun conference where he gives you all the puns and all the, the funny little quips, and he gives you, uh, I told the Mets when it comes to the polar bear, we are not in contract hibernation. Oh, you are so clever. You are so clever, Scott Boris. Not only are you the only freaking agent that has anyone on this. I mean, he's the only, he has every single major free agent. It's unbelievable, this guy. And he's a he's a pun masterclass. That remember that? They, do they still do masterclass? I don't see the commercials for it anymore. You can get like you know a masterclass chef give you lessons. Masterclass this uh, actor would do a masterclass. You could take lessons from a real actor. He should do a pun masterclass. And SNY sure needs it because I saw their segment trying to do the funny puns. JJ, I love you. You had to work on your puns. But we are not in contract hibernation. I do not think 
the Mets are going to give Pete Alonso a contract extension, nor do I honestly think he wants one. Scott Boris usually plays this out to free agency. I know what he's talking about, looking at no, not hibernation. We're open for business right now. I think Pete Alonso loves the Mets and wants to be a Met. I don't think there's any doubt. And I think the Mets, and if you listen to Stearns, and he talks about how important he is, and he talks about what kind of player he is, and he told you flat out, I do not expect Pete Alonso to be traded in this offseason. And I, without question, believe him. It would be dumb to trade Pete Alonso. It would be stupid to trade Pete Alonso. He is too important to this team. I don't buy the nonsense you hear. You want to talk about conspiracy theories. Here's a conspiracy theory, Coach Sala, that the Met clubhouse is somehow, you know, a major problem, and Pete Alonso is part of it. Pete Alonso's goofy. All right, I've been calling him goofy for a while. It's a bit of a doofus. All right? But he's one hell of a ball player that hits 50 home runs a year, or at least 45 home runs a year, and he's damn near impossible to replace. And whether the whatever the issue is with this team, I fundamentally believe he's part of the heart and soul of it. And when you have a guy that's that important to the team, that's been clutch for them, you know, since his rookie season, who puts up 138 to 45 home runs a year, you don't move on from him. And I know there's been some talk about it, and I understand that they could do different things, but when you have the money that this owner has, you never want as a fan, to ever worry about losing your guys. And make no mistake, Pete Alonso is their guy. So as we heard Cashman yesterday, and the dichotomy too between the two of them, this guy's all smiles. Stearns could not be happier. He's out of Milwaukee. He's out of the 30th market into the first market. He's talking about whether or not he's going to give Pete Alonso $250 million or how much money he's going to give Otani or Yamamoto and him and the, and we'll get into this as we move forward, the Yankees and the Mets in a Yamamoto bidding war. While he's talking about spending all this money and not trading Pete Alonso as opposed to trying to put it together with, with scotch tape in Milwaukee, he's all smiles. And then you got the brooding angry man in the corner who represents the New York Yankees and Brian Cashman. And we can get into them too with Juan Soto and looking for Alfio. There's impossible trade with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals who have an abundance of left-handed hitting outfielders. So we got plenty of uh, uh, baseball to do, plenty of football to do. But I do not believe the Jets and their lies about this miserable quarterback and why he's still on the field. And there are no conspiracy theories, sir. None. It's complete fabrication. And with the Mets, they are hanging on to their first baseman. And we'll talk about the different uh, things they will also do in free agency as we get through it. 877-337-6666. You hear I didn't even notice to mention the Giants? Do you know the Giants are playing the Dallas Cowboys? And I didn't even put them in my open. This is what I'm talking about. This is the worst spot you could be as a fan. The worst. They're 16 and a half point underdogs to the Dallas Cowboys. They're playing at 4 o'clock on Sunday and I don't care because I need them to lose. Nothing worse. I'd rather be lied to by my coach about a lousy quarterback at 4-4 four and four than play the Dallas Cowboys, my bitter rival, and have no interest in the game. <laughs> the hell is going on? When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Well, in the end, it's the Knicks at land Carmelo Anthony from Denver. And Amari Stoudemire happy that he's on hand. Stoudemire addressing the media today says the team will be hard to guard now. Likes the idea of having that one-two punch. When New York sports happens, talk about it here.
The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, let's go. 877-337-6666. So today is my Friday. We're going to do some Friday stuff. We'll have picks later in the show. As I said, I'm going to Vegas. It's my last show of the week. The great Michael Flegelman will be filling in for me tomorrow. So that you guys are all in for a treat. But we'll do picks today because uh, him and Marco are here. So we'll do that. We obviously got to talk a little basketball too. I forgot to mention both basketball teams with good solid wins to get back to 500. The Nets in particular, a great win against the uh, the Beard and the Clippers. And that dominant team against this young scrappy group, which I want to get to a little bit because I heard a couple things. I'm interested in how much we love this new net young scrappy group. And we'll get to the Yankees a little bit more in depth too because there's one particular thing that is being harped on. And I harped on them. Yesterday I killed Brian Cashman. I killed Hal Steinbrenner. Particularly, not even for what they said. Hal, Hal Steinbrenner for what he didn't say. Because he said nothing other than the bunting thing, which was laughable and gave us all a reason to, you know, laugh at the Yankees. But there's one thing that was said that is now being harped on and laughed at and ridiculed that I have a major problem with. A major problem with. So we'll get to that too. 877-337-6666. But your phone calls first as we opened up with the Jets and the Mets. And a little bit of li- uh, truth and lies. What's the, the line from uh, Trading Day? You, you got to know your laughs and cries. Laughs and cries. Matt in Long Island. What's up, Matt? Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You got it, buddy. What's I up? just wanted to bring up the Jets. I'm in this week. I think I'm not a Jet fan, but I do have confidence that I'm going to Vegas. I feel like I know what's going to happen. I, I look at the Raiders. I mean, they're offensively, you know, rookie quarterback. They yeah. still got some pieces. And I know they saw the Giants do a couple weeks ago. They're going to run Josh Jacobs the ball down the Jets' throat. I know look, the Jets are not getting up the rushing defense. So I feel like that's going to be effective against them. I feel like the Jets, like the offense, like on the road this year, I mean, the Jets' defense hasn't been that great. I and mean, then generally they only played two road games against Dallas and Denver. So I feel like the Jets, like, you got to score points this week. I mean, the Raiders, I mean, they're going to try to put up something and. Don't act like you're going to oh, Buffalo. No, I mean, that's either. what this whole thing is about. I'm not, I wouldn't be yeah. clamoring. I wouldn't be screaming and crying about the quarterback if the, if the Jets didn't need to put up points. The Jets are not putting up points, plain and simple. So, yeah, they have to go yeah, in there I and know. figure out a way to put up points, whether yeah. it's with Brees Hall, whether it's with the defense, unfortunately, whether it's with the passing game. But they need to do some different things. If they're going to play Zach Wilson, here's a couple things. One, if they're going to play Zach Wilson, they have to come up with a better plan to use him. Now, oh, yeah, totally. I think some some of the easy, some of the cliche things that are being thrown out or some of the easy answers that people will tell you about, such as, uh, you know, roll him out or, uh, you know, roll him out of the pocket. He's better inside the pocket. He's better when he doesn't think. Run high, run fa- you know, run quick, hurry up offense. They did that last week, the whole game. They did a lot of yeah, non-huddling. Yeah, totally. he, was, he was making calls like Peyton Manning at the line. It didn't help him really much at all. And rolling him out is fine every once in a while, but, I mean, you can't consistently roll the quarterback out and eliminate half the field. Like, I, you, you, yeah. you can't do it. Like, it's just not an NFL yeah. offense. So they're going to have to – but there are certain things they could do try to make life easy for him. 
I don't know, have him throw the ball down the field. I don't know. He doesn't have a lot of help. I get that. Garrett Wilson is really the only wide receiver who's creating significant space on a regular basis. But at some point, they're going to have to figure something out with him. And then if if they can't, they have to be willing to go. I'm not even yeah. screaming at this point about starting another quarterback. Yeah, I moved on from that. Final point here. Yeah, it no, you got it. This week, too. It's like, I mean, look at these games. You played Buffalo. Miami, yeah. Cleveland, Houston, and like these offense, they could score, and you're going on the road. You're not going in the Buffalo holding the Bills. Oh, we're holding the 16 points. They have that met life. It's different. You don't play good on the road. You struggle. So it's like well, something like that. You just so you don't you can't expect to hold the Bills and the Dolphins to the the minimum amount of points that your yeah, offense gives even, up. Like the defense, yeah. it's not they're not the 85 Bears, and this ain't 1985. They're not. Like you can't not. you can't play defense like that. It's too it, against offenses with that kind of an ability. You can't hold them down all game. Like it's just it's Even too the difficult. I mean, they know they know what's going to happen. Josh Jacobs is going to get that ball thirty times. They're going to get the. Well, they're going to have to stuff the run. And and the coach, you know, talked about. And there's been some talk about uh, you know uh, Williams and how his sack numbers might be down, but how he stuffs the run, how he gets the pressures. Like they're going to have to limit Jacobs and let this see if this rookie cornerback, uh, quarterback, excuse me, can beat their corner rookie their cornerbacks and make plays down the field. Which yeah, even last week against the Giants, I mean, Devontae yeah, Adams didn't go off. Jacobs had 90 yards, and, you know, they just so – the Giants were just so awful. It was easy points off turnovers. And, I mean, so, like, it's just a matter of doing enough offensively because you know what the defense is. It's got to come alive at some point. It's got to come alive. If you want to be a playoff team, if Zach Wilson wants to lead them to the playoffs, you'd be like, all right, let's go do this, which I don't think he's a good quarterback. But, like, it's now or never. It's It's like if you move the it's not going to go good. I, I, I agree with you, and I'm telling you right now, if you get to halftime and you don't have points, I'm going to another quarterback. Why is this such a taboo t- subject? It's the NFL. It's about wins, man. Is it not? Is it not about making sure that you're able to be in a position where if the miracle of Aaron Rodgers coming back happens, that you're in a position to make it meaningful? Is it not about trying to break this playoff record? Is it trying to end this playoff drought, or is it about making sure Zach Wilson gets to improve? Like, what is this about exactly? Because the more you play him without even considering moving on from him, without considering bringing up Simeon from the practice squad, without even talking about these things, with it just being a rote answer that it's Zach Wilson, what are you saying to the rest of your team? Like, that's my whole point of it. Like it's got it's what are you saying to your team and then moving on now what are you saying when to your team and to the rest of football and to the rest of your fans when it feels like you've hamstrung the coach and the coach isn't allowed to pick the quarterback and the coach has to stand up there and tell you these half truths at best that he probably doesn't even believe in like what kind of message are you sending to your fan base what kind of message are you sending to your team? You have to do something. It's beyond just Zach is bad. I'm not even talking about that anymore. We know what he is. We know what he's not. And I'm, I'm past the point of even arguing about him starting. He's going to start the game. But you have to be willing to bring in the relief pitcher, man. You just have to. You have to go out and try and win these games if you can. Oh, it's, it's the offensive line. It's this. It's that. It's this. It's that. It's not. It's some of that. It's the quarterback. Paul and Yonkers. What's up, Paul? Good morning. Good morning. I, I dis- Thank you. I want to discuss council running to Chicago. 
Sure. Which it's, which it's showing me. He was never offered the five-year, $50 million contract. From the Mets? For him, you're from the Mets. Mm -hmm. Steve Cohen must have sat down with him and told him nothing. I don't know. There's going to be there's going to be no Soto. There's going to be no Otani. Pete Alonso ain't going to be on this team. No, I disagree there's, with you very much. There's Why? no reason for Council to run to Chicago. They paid him eight million dollars a year, and he's closer to his home. And he's the and it's the Cubs, and they're willing to spend money too. The Mets aren't the only team that can win in this this league. But if Steve Cohen makes it, he's got to have a powwow with him. He's got to sit down with him. And discuss so, what they're gonna, the Mets are going to do this year. Yeah, I don't understand that. Don't you think he didn't like what he heard? No. I don't think he had. Uh, I think he would have gladly joined the Mets if they gave him more money than Chicago and they weren't willing to do right. it. And he, he, he got the money of $8 million, which he's talked about publicly now, that he wanted the most money not only for himself, uh, clearly, but also he feels that managers throughout baseball are underpaid and he's trying to raise the bar on what managers get on some level. So he got $8 million a year. He got to stay 90 minutes from where his, his family and children live so they don't have to yeah. move all the way across the country to New York. And no, I don't think it was like, hey, I'd love to be a Met, but wait a minute, you're not doing this? You're not doing that? You're going you're gonna to field a terrible team for three years? No, I don't think that was it at all. Why would you think that? Why would you think that? Why? Because yeah. there's a reason why he ran out of the clear blue sky. No, yeah, I gave you. On our channel, we never heard it brought up at all that he was going to Chicago. Steve Cohen because they had a manager. The deal. Well, that's fair. Yeah, Steve Cohen couldn't hold, close the deal. I'll give right. you that. If and Steve, I'm tired yeah, of it. Well, uh, I mean, you're tired of Steve Cohen not closing the deal. What yes. other what other deals did he not close? Well, the main one that I always was talking about. Allowing Judge to walk back to the Yankees yeah, without making an offer. Yeah, well, that's not closing. But that's not closing. Yeah, but that's not closing a deal. That's just making a decision not to go after Judge. It's not like he had Judge in the room and was right there. He, if he offered, I, I firmly believe if he offered. Now they didn't come. Apparently, Council didn't go back to the Mets. I think once he got the number he was looking for, he just took Chicago because he's ninety minutes away. But if if they sat in that room and he said, "Look, whatever you whatever you can get elsewhere, I'm gonna give you more," or "Here's ten million dollars a year," then I think Council would have been the manager for the Mets. But they didn't want to do that. They offered him less money than the Cubs offered him, and then once he got more money from the Cubs and he was closer to his house, to closer to his home, he took it. I don't think he didn't like what he heard. It's Steve Cohen. What makes you think all of a sudden Steve Cohen's not going to go out and field a good team or spend money? The guy spends money to get better draft picks. The guy spends money at the drop of a hat. I mean, he closed the deal with Scherzer, Verlander, Lindor. These are all deals no Met, the previous Met ownership doesn't close at all. They don't even open that door. I mean, it's it's un, it's completely unfair to, to assume just because you didn't hear about Chicago and suddenly Chicago popped up. As an option, he they had David Ross as their manager. Nobody was talking about it. He was he, it was a it was a it wasn't an open position. But once they made that decision, he went with it. But I, I don't think it was. There's nobody coming, and this team's going to be bad. I don't think that at all. Billy in Florida, what's up, Billy? Hey, Chris, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so I talked to you a couple of years ago, like two years ago. Okay. Right after, right after the Joe Judge regime. And I said to you that the Giants are going to be bad for a long time. 
And I said, as and, and you were like arguing with me, and I was like, by a long time, I mean five years. Uh huh. Well, the crazy, and this is like two years in now. Well, they, they weren't bad last year, so I, there is a reprieve. But I mean, overall, I, I, I'll, I'll agree with you. What year was this? How many years ago was this? Right after Joe Judge, I think. Oh, right, right and after I, the hot firing of Joe Judge. Yeah, I think. Okay. And yeah. uh, and and your 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 context was like uh, about bringing in another quarterback would uh, help or not bring another quarterback, but it's whichever one, whichever. Okay. See, my well, listener, like, you expect me to remember the the phone call. You don't even remember the phone call. I remember. I, <laughs> I hear you, Billy. Well, listen, if your point is is that you saw this coming, congratulations. But I still won't tell you. I I, I don't think. I don't think the the and, and you know I, I didn't I thought they were going to be awful last year so I'm surprised I fought you on it so badly I mean I guess the five year period I still don't I'm hoping that they're not bad for the next three years I'm hoping they turn it around relatively quickly uh, but like I was down on them last year I picked them to win four games last year and they completely surprised me had an unbelievable year I thought we'd already be I thought we'd have a new quarterback this year I thought Daniel Jones and the Giants weren't going to be very good next year last year I thought they would have drafted a quarterback in this draft I would have thought they'd be in year 2 of a rebuild with a new quarterback that's what I thought and then they went it and won 9 games and won a playoff game had to give Jones the contract and now we're starting over again, but I firmly expect him to draft a quarterback. Hopefully it's a good quarterback. And if they have that, and Dable, who is a quarterback guy, who is given a lot of credit, and now especially as you're watching Josh Donaldson, uh, Josh Donaldson, my God, Josh wow. Allen start to come back wow. to earth a little bit and not be right. quite as good as he was under Brian Dable in, in Buffalo. I mean, you're hoping that this regime can both have the eye to pick the quarterback and Joe Shane was part of the team that drafted Allen and hopefully well, Dable's good enough to, you know, coach him up because he's part of the guy he's one of, if not the main guy who developed Josh Allen. And I'm not sure which reporter asked um, Jones. I don't know if that was yesterday or the, or the, or yeah. today, but when, when he said like, how do you feel about um, being replaced? Basically, is what he said. Well, he said it, there's a lot of chatter about the Giants drafting a quarterback and you no longer being the future of the franchise. How does that and, make you feel? And Jones had the perfect answer. Yeah, like, he he was so he was so cool. He's such a likable guy. And it's, it yep. Sucks. It sucks. No, it sucks. But it's time to move on from him. Uh, you can't bring him back. I mean, you can, uh, excuse me. He's going to be on the team next year, but you can't. He he is he can no longer be the future of the franchise. He can't. And I'm sorry, I'll disagree. I, I, I've fought with a couple of Giant fan friends. I've fought, I'll fight you tooth and nail. You try and tell me that it's best to just draft something else and keep and keep uh, Daniel Jones. I think that's idiotic. You draft a quarterback. Unless they find themselves miraculously with Tommy DeVito figuring out a way to win some football games and they pull themselves out of quarterback contention. Other than that, if they're where we assume they're going to be, because they're going to be underdog in every game they play the rest of the year, they're 16.5-point underdogs to Dallas, and once Dallas covers that game on Sunday, it's going to be just as bad the week after and just as bad the week after. And if they lose all the games we expect them to lose, I abs- I do not draft something else. I do not trade out. I do not get better elsewhere because we have so many holes to fill. Oh, and if you bring a quarterback in here, he's still going to have to deal with this crappy offensive line. Bunch of nonsense. It's time to move on. You need a quarterback. And you can no longer go back to a quarterback that, A, has lost 
almost every game. I mean, let's just be fair. They do not. Last year was nine wins. Great. They lose so much with them. And even if it's not his fault, all they do is lose with him. And I can't move forward with a quarterback that all he does is lose. They they never score points. He never throws touchdown passes. And now he's coming off neck surgery, missing a bunch of time this week to a second neck injury, and now an ACL. It's over. It's over with Daniel Jones. It's over. It's unfortunate they gave him the contract last year. It's unfortunate it's based on injuries. It sucks, but it's over. It's a relief in some ways. We're done playing this game of if he just had this, if he just had that. I'm telling you, this year's the year. Daniel Jones is, could be a top 10. Daniel Jones can be a top this. Daniel Jones is going to do that. Daniel Jones is done, and I feel bad for him, and it sucks that it's injury, especially just collapsing on himself, dropping back. It's a, it's a crappy way to go. To have your last meaningful snap of the of the being the Giants quarterback be that snap sucks. But there's no other way to put it. He's done. He's done. And the Giants need to draft a quarterback. Absolutely, they need to draft a quarterback. So but then and that's why these games, I'm I I heard Evan talking about it today with, with Marash saying, if you're in a position where you can beat the Cowboys and ruin their season. And win that game. In the moment, I might be dumb enough to root for it. Because it's hard not to. It's ingrained in you. It's uh, we're, we're, all, we're all Pavlov's dog, man. That bell rings and my mouth salivates. It's I'm looking for the win. That's it. But I'm telling you, the minute it's over, I will I won't enjoy it. Because I know what's best for the franchise is losing. And that's the worst. I won't even enjoy. I'll enjoy it for five minutes. I'll enjoy it on the on the angle that they cost the Cowboys. It'll be ha ha, screw you, Dallas. And then I'll realize they screwed themselves. And I'll be sad again because I won't be able to enjoy it. I won't be like the Raiders smoking stogies celebrating a victory. I promise you. I promise you. And that's what sucks. It sucks. The worst spot to be. And both football teams right now, are in, 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 for as far as fandom goes, are in tough spots. The Giants are rooting for losses, and the Jet fan is n- just knows they are playing a quarterback who absolutely kills their chances to win with this overall Super Bowl-talented roster. Like, you know you have the most fatal flaw imaginable. Having the quarterback that drags you down is the most... It's. It's the absolute fatal flaw. Everything else around it is unable to perform to the level it should be because of one player. And the and the, the organization won't move off of him, and the coach doesn't have the opportunity to do so because someone's telling him otherwise. For what purpose? We don't know because they've done it before. They benched him for Mike White. They benched him. They went out and got... Aaron Rodgers, to take his place. So whoever was okay with getting Aaron Rodgers and putting Zach Wilson on the back burner, why are you not okay with putting him on the back burner for Boyle as your season could possibly be spiraling out of control? And make no mistake, if they lose this game against the Raiders and he's the reason, that's spiraling out of control, losing two in a row to to really to really fraud, unreliable AFC West teams. Like, that is not what you want. 
heading into a to do battle with your two main opponents in your division. Like that, you can't lose this game, and it you better not lose it because of Zach Wilson, which is really the the only way they lose, for the most part. Maybe this side of Dallas. That's about it, and Kansas City. I'll give him Kansas City. He played fairly well against Kansas City. He's not the the reason they lost. Mike in Bayville. What's up, Mike? Hey, C-Mac. Love you, buddy. Thank you, you man. You your smiles and cries because that's all you have. That's you know? all you have, your smiles and cries. I got a, a Jets comment and then a quick Yankees question, then sure. I'll hang up. Uh, the Jets comment is basically, so I'm actually a, a big Niners fan, born and raised, but I used to watch the Jets because they were on TV and they stunk and my dad was, a you know, like brutal for an underdog. But uh, the Niners were willing, they had a monster roster. They were willing to move on from Lance, who they know they can't win with. And yeah, they got a little lucky with Brock, but the Jets, like, I can't understand the the stubbornness to, to, to make a change or bring in somebody else. Yeah, so that was my Jets comment. I don't get it. Uh, my my Yanks comment that I'm also that also confounds me is like why did they get away from lefty pitchers and lefty hitters? Like, mm-hmm. are they that hard to find? I don't think they're that hard to find. I don't think that much more expensive. So that's well, my I mean, question to you. Yeah. Like, what what changed? I don't I don't, get I don't, I don't well, think they I don't think they've gotten away from lefty pitching. Why? What makes you think that? They I guess they, they, they went up on them a little too early. Well, I guess I don't, no, they, they have Nesta Cortez. They went out and signed Rodon in the offseason. I mean, it's not like they. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's like they're right, completely. Enough, they're, I mean, two thirds, two you know, two fifths of their rotation is 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 lefty pitching. So I don't think it's lefty pitching. And the lefty hitting, I honestly believe that it's not necessarily some sort of reason to get around it. Like I, I don't think Cashman. Some people do. I, I don't know how you could think this because Cashman has put together lineups of left-handed hitting of his whole career. The entire. Uh, Cashman's entire career as the Yankee GM has been laden with left-handed and switch-hitting guys. Like, that's uh, plenty of times. This team worked out this way. Why was Toronto all right-handed over the last handful of years? And he tried to get he tried to get more left-handed with Rizzo and Gallo, and Gallo didn't work out, and that's why he's arguing like an idiot about Joey Gallo. But I honestly believe it's not like he's trying to get away from left-handed hitters. It's just the way it went. He brought up the baby bombers. Greg Bird was one of them. Greg Bird was supposed to be the best hitter out of all of them. He was that big left-handed hitting first baseman who was going to be who's the better hitter than Judge. Came up earlier than Judge. Got one of two hits in the wild card game against the Astros in fifteen. Hits a, a game-winning home run against the Cleveland Indians in seventeen to win a game one nothing on a solo home run versus uh, one of the tougher lefty relievers in baseball and Andrew Miller, and we were on our way with a left-handed hitting slugger in the middle of the lineup, and then he had foot issues and sucked. And so they had to replace him. They tried, They looked around the league. They got Luke Voigt. He's a right-handed hitter. He had a 900 OPS with the Yankees. They go out and trade. At, at the end of 15, they go out and trade Chapman. They trade the, the aforementioned Andrew Miller, and they ask, hey, Chicago, who's your best prospect? Oh, it's Clay Torres, a right-handed hitting infielder? Okay, he's your best prospect, one of the best prospects in baseball. Bring him in. Cleveland, who's your best prospect? Is it a left-handed hitting outfielder? We'd sure love it. No, it's a right-handed hitting outfielder in Clay Okay, should we take your second best prospect, or should we take your best prospect who happens to be right-handed? Like Gary Sanchez comes up through the farm system, right-handed. Stud power hitter, hits 30 home runs, uh, hits 20 home runs in half the season, almost wins the rookie of the year, playing a quarter of the year. So they give him a shot. Then he's a two-time All-Star, so they stick with him. And Duhar comes up, leads the team in doubles, right-handed hitter. Like, 
Should they have gotten, like, here's the thing, and I agree with Cashman when he says it. They they didn't focus on the balance enough, I agree. But on some level, should they have went with lesser players in their minds just to be left-handed? Could they have traded away guys and done things differently? Sure, I suppose. But should they have should they have asked the Cubs for the second best prospect if he's left-handed? I mean, Judge ends up hitting. No one cares. He's not left-handed. I mean, you could argue then the Stanton one, which is the you could argue right-handed versus just Stanton the player overall. But I think it just worked out this way where the better players happen to be right-handed. I do. I don't think he's out there going, nope, don't like him, he's lefty. Nope, don't like him, he's lefty. Need a right-handed hitter. Need right-handed hitting. I don't think they cared enough. I'll put it that way. They didn't make it an emphasis enough. They just flat out said, you know, if if all things being equal, they looked at other things besides balance in the lineup. And they're probably and they're obviously wrong in it, and they need left-handed hitting. And he's mentioned it. And they went out and traded for Rizzo. They went out and traded for Gallo. They went out and traded for Benintendi. He's talked about getting he talked about getting a left-handed hitting outfielder last year. God knows why he didn't do it. I mean, I have no idea why he didn't add a left-handed hitting outfielder after despite talking about it all offseason last year. And now already this year, he's talking about getting two left-handed hitters. And the two biggest pro- the two biggest names they're talking about is trading for Juan Soto and getting Bellinger. I don't think Brian Cashman sits at home with a smoking jacket, sipping a martini, going, I'm going to do it with all righties. (laughs) It just worked out that way. He didn't emphasize it, but I don't think it's a plan. Like a lot of things. Like a lot of things. I agree with a lot of what Cashman said. Yeah, I I have to admit, I, I know I'm different than Yankees, and I killed him because it's the wrong time. And he's just arguing. Like if he would have come out with that argument... The Yankee fans still hated him last year. If he would have come out after the 99 win season of uh, of winning uh, of 99 games and losing in the ALCS and he came out with that tone, I would have understood it more and been more behind him. Honestly, I would have. But you can't come out after having and cuz that team led the league in runs scored, that team won 99 games. It's not good enough for any of us. I get that. But at least he had a leg to stand on. He was playing. He was one of the final four teams. They won 99 games. They scored the most runs in the league. That's a leg to stand on. Whatever you may think about it, it's at least a leg to stand on. They won 82 games, and they had the worst offense in baseball next to the Oakland A's. That was not the time to be the tough guy screaming about how you do business when the entire offseason is about changing how you do business. Or at least that's what we perceive to have thought. Like it was just terrible timing to have that attitude and to go over all that. And he had he had prepared arguments. He transitioned. You, you, being a radio host, you could tell. I'm not, it doesn't doesn't take to be a radio host. You could anyone who's observant could have acknowledged it. He didn't even he transitioned from questions into things he had ready to go. Asked about trades. He wasn't asked about specific trades. He was just talking. He asked about moves recently, and he brings up Gallo, and he brings up. Um, the pitcher from uh, from Oakland, Sonny Gray. He brings up uh, Gallo. He brings up Sonny Gray. He's asked about something completely different about perception of young players, or whatever, and he, and he brings up the analytics as the smallest in the American League. He had prepared arguments to come out and attack, and I don't know why. I just don't know why. Whether I agree with the arguments or not, and in a lot of cases, I do. I do. 
I agree with the idea of trading for Montas and, and, and Joey Gallo while terrible trades and don't excuse them, and it goes on the record as a bad trade, no doubt. But I do understand that as the Yankee general manager chasing championships because you're not happy just being good enough to lose in the postseason. So he has to go out there and make moves to bolster his team. So he goes out there and he trades for Joey Gallo on pace for 45 home runs and a two-time All-Star. It doesn't work. But he's got to do something. They need left-handed power. No, that's who was available to him. So he took the deal. Montas is, in their opinion, the second best pitcher in baseball uh, on the market next to Castillo. He he did have, you know, he was a good pitcher for Oakland. The medicals aren't great, but the doctors tell him he can make it through the season. He he's not gonna he can't just sit on his laurels. He's got to go out there and make a deal. Like I understand that it doesn't mean he's allowed to make bad ones. That's why I'm. I'm the first one to tell you. I think it's time to move on. His deal making is bad. He, the last three years have been terrible. These are bad deals, but I do understand his point about well, I, I'm trying to chase a championship. Is that not what you want? Like, I get that. Doesn't mean it doesn't excuse bad moves. But Joey Gallo was a two-time All Star. Was on pace for 40 home runs and left-handed power, which they desperately needed. Like, I I understand his point. Yesterday or the other day wasn't the time to make that. Just move on. Like, that's my main issue. Like, just move on. I think the perception that the Yankees are analytically driven and it's all they base decisions on, it's analytics, analytics, I think it's a stupid thought process. I've been saying it forever. I don't think every bad decision is based on analytics. I don't think analytics run the, the Yankees. But why the hell do you need to stand there and fight about where your mistakes come from. When asked about mistakes, well, you know, the analytic, we say we're run by analytics. We're not. We have the smallest analytic department in the American League. Why? You shouldn't have the smallest. You shouldn't have the smallest anything. You should, you should not have the smallest analytic department in the American League. You should have the biggest. You should just have the best and brightest. And you haven't. But he's out there fighting this, this perception that you, the fans, have, the media may have. He's out there trying to settle scores. Off an eighty-two, off an eighty-two season, uh, eighty-two win season. Why? Why are you out there picking fights and settling scores? Just say, yeah, listen, we've made some mistakes recently. I, I still believe in, even if he wants to give you the look, I, I still believe in some, in some of our thought process, and I still believe in why I made those moves. But looking back at them now, I don't think there's anything wrong with reevaluating a little bit on how we do things and making sure we're always in the best process ever. And clearly over the last few years, some of the, the, the deals have not gone the way we wanted, and I think it's fair to look at them. That's it. Just just say that. You're picking fights over, over in arguments you can't win at the time. I just I didn't understand the tone, whether I agree with the argue, whether I agree with some of the stuff he said or not. And I do. Fred and Poughkeepsie. What's up, Fred? Yeah, hi. Hi. Mm, yeah, I'm enjoying the show. Well, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about on the Yankees. And um, I'd just like to, if I can, I'd like to talk about the Beatles a second. I'd like to ask you a question. I'm, sure. Did you hear the new Beatles song? I have heard it, yes. Now Are and you? then, yes. Um, I think it's okay. I think, it's, uh, I think there's a reason why it was... Uh, th- one of three songs, and they only did two on the anthology. There's really not a lot to it. It's very simple. Uh, it's it's okay. Listen, it's it's listening to John Lennon sing a new song I've never heard before. 
the audio quality of his voice is, is great. And, um, you know, just hearing them work on music together is worth it. I'm glad they did it, but, you know, it's kind of a simple kind of ass eh song. I don't really love it, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I really love it. I think it's. Really- hey, listen, it's it's a Beatles song, buddy. There's uh, I like there are people who will tell you, and uh, thank you for the call. I will get to the Yankee stuff. I'm up against the break. There were people who quibble about how long the White Album is. Oh, it's uh, if they would have just you know pared that down into instead of a double album, just one album, it would have been far better. You can get rid of Wild Honey Pie, and you can get rid of all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting rid of anything. It's a Beatles song, but yeah. All right, so we got a break, 877-337-6666. I got into the Yankees there a little bit, and there are a couple of things with the Yankees I want to get into. One, as much as I was disappointed in a lot of the the tone and some of the things said and not said in the press conferences yesterday, there's one particular thing said by Hal Steinbrenner that is getting laughed at and ridiculed and mocked that pisses me off. It really annoys me. And then the other thing is, Judge and his comments, and we got to get to those, and some of the things that Judge wants to focus on, because I got a little bit of a problem with that too. I got a little bit of a problem with Judge, I got a little bit of a problem with, with everyone laughing at the Yankees. 